All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I am Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some big dad energy. Every day, all day, all the time. And today we are talking about the second in our Disney remake trilogy, Cinderella, the original from 1950, and the remake from 2015. Now, the 1951 is directed by Clyde Geronimo, Wilfred Jackson, and uh, some other guy, um, Hamilton Lusky. Lusk, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, someone who's from there maybe could, you know, maybe correct me. Um, and then the writers, there's a lot of credits here. I mean, we have uh, an original classic buy credit for Charles Perrault, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, a lot of credits for story and several uncredited things as well. So I'm not going to name all of those guys. But then the uh, the new remake is directed by Kenneth Branagh. A writer who did the screenplay is Chris Feitz. And the story is by Charles Perrault. And now our original is starring um, Eileen Woods, James McDonald, Eleanor Audley. And our stars of the new one are Lily James, Kate Blanchett, Richard Madden, and I have to, I have to throw him in here, even though he's not really in the cast list until much further down. Sir Derek Jacobi. Uh, we got Helena Bonham Carter as the fairy godmother. We got Stellan Skarsgård as the Grand Duke, as well as Haley Atwell playing Cinderella's mother. So, with all of that said, these are two time-honored classics, two beloved Disney classics. In fact, like it, it's kind of due to Cinderella that we have the Disney logo a little bit. The, the view of the, the, the castle and the theme that plays through. Yeah, it's the Cinderella castle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because of Cinderella that we sort of know this entity as it is. But I want to turn this all over to Jesse. Jesse, what is Cinderella about? Uh, so both movies are basically about this maid. Well, they treat her like a maid, even though she's not actually one. She is the stepdaughter of an evil stepmother with some evil stepsisters. She does all of their work for them gets no thanks, they treat her terribly, and then the prince, out of the blue, invites every maiden in the kingdom to come to a giant ball, so that way he can pick a bride. So, Cinderella really wants to go, but when she finds a dress to wear, the evil stepmother and stepsisters tear it apart, a fairy godmother comes in, saves the day, gives her a beautiful dress with a beautiful carriage, she goes to the ball, the prince immediately loves her, And then she leaves without telling the prince her name and only leaves behind a glass slipper in which they use the glass slipper on every maiden in the kingdom to figure out who the maiden is. They figure out it's Cinderella, even though the evil stepmother didn't want it to be found out that it was Cinderella and Cinderella marries the prince lives happily ever after. That's the basic story of both movies where these movies diverge is in the cartoon. We get a lot of animal stuff going on so too much animal (laughs) stuff why is there so much about the mice and their weird made-up language well well it is disney i mean i just but but why the language choice why couldn't they just have like brooklyn accents or whatever like why do they have an interesting take i just i just go ahead jesse go ahead (laughs) <laughs> so Vito, you will get plenty of time to rant about this in just one second. But yes, that is a, <laughs> that is a huge difference. Is there's a lot of animals, there's a lot of mice, specifically Gus and Jack, who go around, who go about and have a lot of misadventures. There's a misadventure like going and get, getting food. There's a misadventure to go and get materials for Cinderella's dress, and there's a misadventure 
I, th- I think there's another one thrown in there. There's fi- I think she's setting up breakfast and then one gets caught in a cup and then Lucifer the cat is trying yes. to find them. There's literally a cat and mouse game for like three different scenes in the movie. No, it's it's like it's like 25 minutes of this hour and 15 minute movie is devoted to this running around with the mice and Lucifer after the mice. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of time. Yep. It's Tom and Jerry. It's yeah, it's basically a huge Tom and Jerry scene. Oh, and then there's one last misadventure where they try to go get the key from the evil stepmother and try to avoid being like, I guess, burned by the super hot tea, which I no, always no, thought yeah, was kind I, of I, funny. I, I think mm-hmm. I think you're conf- you're that is true. That is in that one. Um, there is also a, a cup and tea thing with the cat earlier. There's just basically there's a lot of yeah. cups going on top of mice and people not knowing which mouse is under which cup. And it's amazing that there are multiple scenes involving cups and mice. Why are there so many scenes involving cups and mice? My dear Lord, (laughs) could we just get past this? I'm sorry. Guys, uh, Vito really hates this movie. This is going to come out time and time again (sighs) in this podcast, I'm sure. Believe it or uh, not, it's not because he hates animated animals. It's because he hates animated cups. (laughs) (laughs) They just don't work, you know? You can't pour anything into them. No, I, I look They're at animated. animated cups and I say, you're so stupid. You're so two-dimensional. <laughs> I cannot believe it. If I were to pour tea on you, you would be useless. I, 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 I'm I just really upset at the, the lack of functionality. You know? I, I feel like I, this I, is bringing up, like, childhood trauma. If I could wow. be real, if I could be real, just for, for a you. minute, just for a millisecond. Oh, yeah. okay, let's I don't think here. you're being real at all. I'm pretty sure this is all just for the podcast. <laughs> well jesse that kind of cynicism is what's not welcome here in <laughs> Vito's real corner now in Vito's real corner oh, this doesn't sidebar, exist. i'm calling a sidebar and i'm making a new segment Vito's real corner Vito's my segment corner. is i am bothered by 2d cups they do bother me in what specific ways could i tell you you don't get to know because i haven't thought them up yet but i will <laughs> I, I would just like to point out in Vito's real corner that these cups have no corners. They're all round. Oh, whoa. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. well, I feel a little bit step two. Um, and I feel like we need to solve this with like a rap battle or something. Uh, maybe a future episode. I don't know. You need you need time to come up with a rhyme or something. I, I get it, you Jesse. Just got you, one can, you can step yeah. back. It's fine. Um, but in terms of the animal stuff, uh, exiting Vito's real corner with that world-class diss to Jesse. Um, I just have to say, I do not understand why out of this one hour and 15 minute film, we spend so much time with these animals. There's there's like five, 10 minutes that go by sometimes where Cinderella is simply not on screen. I, I, I don't want to step on the synopsis at all, but I just have to put in my irritation at this movie for that. I know it's for kids. I know it's actually not even really for kids. It's for babies. It's for baby kids. Uh, I was upset that I had to watch it because I chose to do a podcast <laughs> on it when I'm a 27-year-old man. <laughs> I actually do have a good refutation for that, and I will get to that as soon as I am done summarizing the new Cinderella. Absolutely. So the new Cinderella it really diverges from the old one because the animals have far less to do with it. Thank God. And it focuses way more on Cinderella's backstory, specifically with her mother dying and then her father who also dies. And then her relationship, like getting to know the stepmother and stepsisters and how they basically hate her from the get go. But she chooses to be kind 
and courageous. And then she, in one of her like fits of rage, uh, when she gets the name Cinderella, because in the new one, her name is Ella, and then her evil stepsisters call her Cinderella because she has ashes on her face. She runs and meets a prince, and who she doesn't know is a prince. He tells her he is just an apprentice. And because of that, she wants to go to the palace because she knows her crush is there, who is an apprentice in the palace. So she doesn't even want to go to meet the prince in this one. It's hey, Jesse? just this random guy. Jesse, would you maybe say that he was an apprentice? An apprentice? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> and, You're horrible. That's the worst thing I've, that's worse than anything I've ever said. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Sidebar. So out of out of ten dads, how many dads would you give that dad joke, Mike? <laughs> um, okay, I need to understand the scale better. Is ten like it's a really good bad pun, or is like ten like it's a it's, really bad bad pun? It's I, as dad as you can get, or as less dad as you can get. I like that's, that. That's the scale. I like that because I, I think it's going to force you to give me a lot of points. <laughs> <laughs> it's like golf, Vito. It's like golf. <laughs> You got like 120 <laughs> dad points on that one. You're off the Richter scale. I'm, oh, oh, it makes me it makes me so happy. So so she 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 knows her friend and a friend prince um, in the palace. Please, please uh, don't do that, Jesse. I don't want to interrupt your flow. <laughs> and then after that, that basically ends. They uh, the stories basically reconverge, and it's the same story. Uh, the stepmother tries to prevent her from wearing the shoe through more political conniving in this one. But that's basically it. And that is a synopsis for Cinderella. Wait, 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 wait. Just really quick. There is a big part of the story that includes the relationship between the apprentice prince. I guess the apprentice king. You're right. The, 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 the apprentice prince. <laughs> the apprentice king. I, I need you to say it. I need you to say apprentice prince. The apprentice prince. No! No! no. no. Mike, oh. <laughs> I just wish I'd thought of it first. Um, so uh, the relationship between the apprentice prince and, and the king, Sir Indeed. Derek Jacobi. Yes. Um, and, and that's, that, I mean, I, I don't know. I just want to note that, that that's a part of the story. It's a well. very big part of the new movie. You're correct. Yeah. Um, it, it really, really the, the relationship between the father and the son in the old Cinderella is very much um, it's it's really bizarre. Like the king is is a is a maniac. <laughs> like the king is an insane person. He literally dreams of having grandkids who ride him around the room. It, yeah, it, it's it's the most bizarre obsession that I can imagine. Not that you shouldn't want grandchildren, especially if you you know have fewer children and you want more grandchildren from that one child. But what's insane about it? Is how uh, how much like a like a light switch he goes between being um, you know oh I just want to hear the pitter patter of little feet to they're not engaged I off with your head I'm going to kill you and like he causes millions of dollars of damage to this room with a sword that he chases his aid around in <laughs> like it's bizarro nutso banana pants land he's a pretty abusive boss I, I have to say uh, I, I I hope I, that the prince's childhood is better. <laughs> They're being chased around a room by a mad fat man with a sword. <laughs> At least in the new one, it, it definitely is, right? In the new one, he's yeah. not. That's not happening. He, he's not chasing people around with a sword at all. At all. Actually, well, all right. But all right. So Vito, though, I got to ask you: uh, when you first saw Cinderella, like, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I feel like there are some strong feelings here. 
Um, I'm just going to give you a couple. Uh, I have seen Cinderella at numerous points in my life at different places. I don't know. I, I think the VHS probably floated around in our house. Um, none of my siblings were very attached to Cinderella. I think that they all found it kind of slow, a little bit boring, very isolated, not many characters. They wanted the more adventurous stuff. They liked Sleeping Beauty um, a lot, so for, for instance, for a lot more. I myself never gravita gravitated towards the story. And so really the first time that I can truly remember having rational thought and sitting down to watch this movie uh, was today, um, this morning, sitting down to watch it with my daughter, uh, who had already seen it before. Yeah. My wife had watched it with her and my daughter very much likes this movie. So I watched it with her. I mean, it's an hour, 15 minutes. It's very breezy. Uh, it's really easy to get through. And I still found a lot of parts of it a slog. This is a kid's movie for sure. And I generally like kids' movies. I think the kids' movies that want to talk about things that are sort of more above their pay grade, I think are very interesting. And this one, this was cheesy, happy time nonsense. Uh, this is a movie for babies. And I don't mean that like a denigrating way. It, 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 it functions best in that way. And the emotions are very easy to understand. The situations are not too difficult. Like it's just a very easily told classic story. And I'm glad that that exists and that has a place. I just know that for my, what I'm interested in, that did not interest me. And watching this, this classic film that's 70 years old, I was mostly struck by the technical side of it. Just like, I, I can't, I can't believe that in 1950, there was animation that was this good. There's animation, like matching up the shadows on the wall when, when the prince and Cinderella dance out to the courtyard, the shadows cast from the great hall onto them. And then they're larger than life figures on the wall, man, what a nightmare. Can you imagine how hard that would be? You're doing moving figures and light and a fountain in the foreground and shadows on the wall, frame by frame, hand illustrated. What a what an insane task. Why would anyone do that? But they did it and it's beautiful. And really like that, that's where I like Cinderella. I, my favorite part of Cinderella is just that scene is the dance when they leave the ballroom mm -hmm. outside, the curtain drops between the stepmother and her. And it's those two. And I like how the movie sort of montages very quickly through that. Like it, it, it moves very easily through what you can imagine is hours of conversation and dancing and, and laughing and talking and joking and, and really shows you this basis of a beautiful relationship that they have. It's not love at first sight. It's love at first sight. But then the conversation is so emotionally charged that they have and the stuff that they do. And I like the movie sort of skips through the time of it to lead you be to believe that maybe they discussed things, um, they talked about themselves, they shared. So I found that sublime. I found that beautiful. Everything else surrounding that in this movie, yeah, I, I, I could, I in terms of take it or leave it, I could leave it. But it's not wrong with the movie, it's just I'm not interested in it. Okay. So that, that that's what I feel. Okay. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, well, so a little bit of Mike's backstory here. I, uh, I'm the second of two kids. My, I have an older sister and she's not a whole lot older than me, less than two years. And so she pretty much defined everything that we did up until I was maybe 18, probably. Um, <laughs> and I was finally found my freedom. No, maybe until I was four or five. But so she didn't like most of the other Disney movies. She didn't like Snow White. She didn't like... Fair. I don't know, uh, Sword in the Stone. She didn't oh! Like, yeah, no, she found them kind of like too scary or whatever. Um, I mean, that, but what that, that, she that, didn't find too scary <laughs> was Cinderella. 
either this version from 1950 or the one we're not going to talk about, the one from 1965, which exists. Look it up. Right. We. The uh, so it's been a part of my life for literally as long as I can remember. Wow, I don't remember seeing it for the first time. I've seen it a million times, but I hadn't seen it for probably I don't know twenty years until I had kids, and it's like, oh, Cinderella is a pretty simple movie for a one-year-old to kind of sit around and and look at. It's probably the most family-friendly movie. Yeah, it's really family-friendly, and. Uh, that's what it was. And it was fun. I actually enjoy the um, all the animal scenes. I mean, it's not a movie that I would ever be like, oh, hey, you know, today's a Thursday night. I'm going to sit down and watch Cinderella from 1950. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> if I ever walked in your garage and you were watching Cinderella by yourself on a Friday night, I would probably just leave. I would probably just turn right around and go. I, yeah, you probably you probably should. <laughs> I don't know what kind of place I'd be in to do that. I don't know if I want to go there. No, no, it um, sounds pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love it. I love, I mean, like you said, you know, the animation, watching as an adult now, it's like, wow, this animation is amazing. It's really beautifully made. It's incredible. Like when you watch the first Star Wars and you see like all, all of the scenes that they film using like real things, mm-hmm. real models. That's like, that's like a TIE fighter on like a fishing pole. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, wow, this is incredible that these people, they they had these visions and they brought them to life in this very precise um, and very difficult way without any of the tools that we have now. It's like a Gutenberg Bible almost. Yeah. It doesn't really have maybe a lot of relevance for me today other than to be like, wow, that's incredible that they made this and it's a beautiful thing to look at. So that's where I'm coming from with it. It's a movie that shaped my childhood. Wow. What, what do you think about that, Jesse? What do you think about your life? Tell us about uh, your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Cinderella was, it was one of those VHS tapes that we had regular access to. I really liked it when I was younger. It was, again, it was up there with Lion King and... Uh, a few others it, it was in the regular rotation because i had just like five boobies that i would watch every day and this was one of them and uh it, you know i really loved it back in the day and trying to remember why i i kind of what i remember the most was was always like gus and jack the mice running around and doing different things especially the corn scene where they're like where he's trying to stack up different kernels of corn and that some was so frustrating <laughs> that was so frustrating i was i was i was almost enraged at watching yet again stacks yeah. up one too many corns and it explodes from underneath his chin and then he runs around to stack them up and then he does it again oh but then he oh. figures it out. He figures it ho- out how to do it, though. I mean, he the he, dummy. The, he he opens his mouth as far as he can. It's like it's I feel like, like I was, watch my kids do that I, every day. I think he was born yesterday. I think he was born. I think he was born yesterday. Well, I think he has no idea. Out. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> at me with your science picks, bros. All right. Look, yeah, he's probably he like one years old. He should be. He should have been eaten many times. I suppose evolution might might say that, but. This is a this movie is a magical movie, and evolution has no place here. Then why couldn't they just magic a smarter mouse? <laughs> he should have been eaten. In fact, he's caught in a trap, and then there's that scene where you just see Cinderella's face shining through the trap, and that's another scene that really caught my eye. Like growing up, for whatever reason, I saw that scene and I was just like, "She 
is the kindest person I've ever seen. <laughs> I uh, love it when he like puts up his fisticuffs to fight. He's like, I'm gonna fight. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking at the time, don't do that. Don't put up your fist. Don't you realize she's a nice person? She's gonna help you. <laughs> she's not gonna eat you like the cat will. Like Lucifer? Very nice. Lucifer the cat. Lucifer the cat. Who names a cat Lucifer? A a genius. I would name my cat Lucifer in a heartbeat. That's amazing. Uh, Because because he is the devil, and we all know it. And so growing up, I just loved watching the little mouse back and forth. And then, like, the rest of the story, I never really cared for. And then, you know, somewhere when I was around, like, six or whatever, this whole movie kind of dropped off for me. I never watched it again. Never wanted to watch it again. I realized that I didn't care about it. And then I watched it again as an adult because now my daughter's really into this. Like, my daughter has such a hard time watching any movie all the way through. The few, like, the three movies that she does this with, I'm sorry, four. It's Land Before Time, The Lion Whoa. King, Frozen, and Cinderella. Okay, so three of those are actually fairly emotionally weighty films, especially like Land Before Time is like one of the saddest movies I remember seeing as a kid. Yeah, well, the thing is, I don't think she can pick that up yet. So like emotional weight doesn't really matter to her right now. What what really matters to her is like big scary frightening things. But isn't and, isn't isn't there like really scary stuff in Land Before Time like like the tar pit? You know, we all get stuck in the tar pit? I don't think the that's thing I remember from it is like no. the deep pool. Like yeah, there's a deep pool with the T-Rex. Yeah. The thing is my yeah. daughter has an affinity to dinosaurs. So she's already used to T-Rexes around, I guess. So they oh. never really frightened her. What? That's <laughs> yeah. cool. It's really bizarre. Yeah, she loves dinosaurs. She has a huge dinosaur collection. Um, yeah. I mean, she's bad. kind of like a girly girl in almost every way. Like, she loves dresses. She loves playing dress-up. She loves playing kitchen. And she loves playing with the dinosaurs. Uh, it's and in she her loves dinosaurs. I mean, that, what, what, a, what a punk rock kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's great. But anyway, that's the only reason she wa- likes Lend for Time is because she's so into dinosaurs and she likes Lion King. I don't even know how. I think we introduced that to her when she was young enough to not understand, again, that his dad was dying. Um, so I don't really think that ever really affected her. So then we have Frozen and uh, Cinderella because sure. those are <clears throat> relatively easy movies to watch. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is one of our staples now. And so uh, uh, at first I was really happy because it's like, oh, she's watching something that I used to watch. And then just as I was watching it, it just occurred to me that some of the songs are saying, you know, the dreams that you wish will come true because if you keep on believing them, apparently that happens. So one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is how do you guys feel about your daughters watching a movie where your dreams that you wish will come true? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's it's something it, it's something that actually came up to me when I was watching it just this this last time trying to think about it in relation to this podcast actually was, you know, how how do I feel about that song and that message? That's the message of the whole movie is is you got to just believe and keep believing even if everything's horrible and if 
you believe long enough and hard enough, it's going to happen, right? I, I don't know, man. It It's kind of complicated. I don't fully ascribe to that belief, but it's not just like, I don't think that you shouldn't, you know, keep dreaming your dream and hoping that it happens. I think you do need to do that, but you also need to work for it. I mean, I think that that's, that's something that I, I'm trying to teach my kids as they, you know, as they grow up is that you can do anything that you set your mind to, but it's up to you to make it happen. And I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I'm not giving enough credit to, to Cinderella in 1950. Um, but I think I am, but I, I think that it's just saying if you dream it and if you hope for it, then it will happen to you without you having to do any work. Not to say that like Cinderella doesn't do work. She does a lot of work and she's, you know, she's humble and she gives of herself, but yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question at all, Jesse? I kind of just was running through my thoughts there. Yeah. I think you did hit on something it because, um, yeah, she doesn't work for her dream at all. I mean, she's nice and she's kind and she works for her sisters, but none of her work is directly related to her dream, which actually is never really specified, but I assume it's getting married out and leaving that mansion that she lives in, right? I assume that's her dream. I think you're right about that, but like, are, are you comfortable with your with your daughters seeing it like regularly? I don't think I got a full answer from you about that. And, and also, this this is about the Cinderella 1950 version. The the 2015 version does not have that scene. Yeah, it doesn't. And it actually, I think, does a better job of of sort of taking that idea and making it fuller. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It does do that. I think it also. I think it in a much larger way bypasses the idea of of dreams. In in a large yeah. section, it's much more grounded. It feels more like a like a Jane Austen adaptation than it does like a classical fairy tale adaptation. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more about social status and a lot more about dialogue and a lot more about character. And uh, so I think that 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 question of dreams. Um, so for Walt Disney back in the day, uh, doing his, his his classic shorts and the stuff that he was involved in with the studio and the stuff that he wasn't involved with involved with because his name is not anywhere on anything here. It. But it's clear the the sort of the word from the the top down is that Walt Disney Pictures is a studio of dreams. It's a studio of of larger than life uh, ideals that we are always chasing. We want to be Cinderella because Cinderella overcomes her circumstances and wins out in the end. We want to be these aspirational things. And that's why they're so meaningful and deep to children is because children latch onto those. They, they, especially as they get older, they see themselves more in that sort of role. And they think, because I feel such a commonality and an empathy with this fictional character, then what happened with that character could happen to me as well. So that speech about dreams is a very powerful thing for children because um, it's very good to know that if you do really do try, uh, you can actualize what you care about. Now, it, that that leads into what Mike is saying about effort. Um, that is something that is not really present, at least not in a very conscious way in a lot of Disney movies. So 
the usually the prince in these princess sort of stories and thinking about like Sleeping Beauty, I'm thinking about Little Mermaid, um, even though that's more of like a princess story than a prince story, the prince still has to exert himself in a large way in order to attain the dream that the princess in the story, the classical Disney princess, wants it to be. It's very much a, a, a group effort or there's effort done by one person much more than the other one. But there's a titanic struggle that always happens against the big bad evil, the the impediment to our protagonists receiving what they want. So that is is a little bit glossed over because things seem eventual. Everything seems destined, seems faded um, for the good girl, the good boy to get his good destiny. And it will happen no matter what. And so the work done for it doesn't really seem like work because it's going to happen anyway. It's almost like they're all cogs in a fairy tale machine. And at the end of which it just spits out happiness. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's not, that's not real life. It, that it's can seem like real life. Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And that, which is exactly what he wanted to do because yeah. real life does feel like Disney when you have already done the work and you have gotten the reward, mm -hmm. then it feels eventual. It feels destined. It feels like fate, but in the process, in the struggle, which is the hardest point, for anyone, whether they're children or adults, to keep going, that is when encouragement is needed, right? And so mm -hmm. that, Jesse, is is kind of my answer is um, it is good, I think, to show the old Cinderella and even more so the new Cinderella to children. I think both of them. I think both of them could be useful because it's good to know that what you're doing and what you set your mind to is towards what you want. And if that's what you want, you will work very hard to achieve it. And when you do achieve it, everything will seem very eventual. It will seem very, very much like in the stars that you did it. Hmm. Yeah. But what's important and what we as dads need to step in and do, this is just my feeling on it, is we have to be there for that middle part, that middle part where things are really hard and they don't know if it's going to work. And you know what? Sometimes it won't, but sometimes it will too. And that's that beautiful Walt Disney idea. Hmm. So I didn't, I didn't want to jump on your point at oh, all, Mike, yeah, but no. I just wanted to lead in. I think that's that. really, really well said. I think that's a really good take on on the idea. I I do kind of feel like with with 1950s Cinderella, what we've got is, I mean, yeah, it's it's a dream and, and it's showing it in this very, you know, dreamy way. But like Jesse said, it's not exactly clear what she wants other than for the prince to marry her. And... Uh, that's like her she wants heart. to fall in love. It, yeah, she wants to fall in love, and she wants she wants someone to fall in love with her. Yeah, and like that's sort of the pinnacle of her existence is to is to get that, and she can't achieve it until there's this Deus ex machina that comes in in the form of her fairy godmother and, and makes it happen. That happens in both of them. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't know. It's like it's a little complicated because I'm like, well. I don't want this to be the only thing that they see. And I think that that's really where, where I land is like, I think that this is a beautiful movie. It's a fun movie. It's enjoyable. But if this is the only thing that they see, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to get the lessons that movies can tell them about hard work and, and the lessons that I think 2015 shows, which is, you know, the dream isn't necessarily getting married and being a princess. The dream is to 
be a courageous and kind individual who brings goodness wherever they go. Um, and then if you do that, the world is beautiful. The world is made beautiful because of you in it. And eventually it's, it's beautiful for you as well while you're doing it. Yeah. What do you think about all that, Jesse? I think both of you guys have beautiful points there, especially with, well, both your points about like Disney movies in general, and then about the role of movies in general. And Mike, I really relate to you saying like, you don't want your daughter to just watch this movie. In fact, part of the way I've justified to myself having my daughter watch this movie is thinking of the importance of fairy tales. And because I, this is one of the first fairy tales, like in one of the most primary ones besides like Snow White and Sleeping Beauty that I think Walt Disney has done where it's literally about a princess marrying a prince. Somehow they do it and they defeat the big bad guy like Vita was saying. But hardly due to any effort on part of the princess. And uh, besides the fact that they're just good people. And uh, so what I was thinking about was that it's, it almost seems like as a kid, that made sense to me. Because like it just made sense that if you're a good person, good things should happen to you. And yes, that's not the way the real world works. But that is the way I want it to work. And that's the world I even today I still strive to make. So I think for that reason, I, I want my kids to see it just so they have that ideal of the world I want is a world where good things happen to good people. And then further, I also want them to watch this movie because uh, they're like looking back at like my progression of movie watching throughout the years, like advancing from Lion King and Cinderella to like the more like action movies, super, uh, superhero esque movies I was watching when I was a teenager, to the more serious dramas I watch now, there was a progression of thought that I attained and that I kind of want to give my kids. And part of that progression, I think, comes from just like movies aren't made in a vacuum. Some movies are made in response. Like two movies I was thinking of for this one were like Shrek and Frozen, right? Which are like two. <laughs> Two very two different movies, two two different uh, two movies way different than this Cinderella movie, but still, in order to understand and appreciate Shrek or Frozen, which again are just animated movies, you kind of need to be able to see like a classic fairy tale, and the most classic fairy tale I can ever think of is Cinderella. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good take. Uh, yeah, I think thinking about fairy tales, um, <clears throat> I, I think that. Disney does this best. I mean, Disney exemplifies fairy tales for several generations now. Um, they're the ones that brought these these stories to light. Um, and then Shrek. I mean, Jesse, I know you got yourself a a soft spot in that old heart for Shrek. Uh, Did you say spart? A soft spot. A soft spot. A soft. A, a soft spurt. A soft spurt. <laughs> well, maybe you'll be sporting out of that heart when I stab you with this with this spear here. I, I we talked about this privately too, but uh, I think that Shrek is kind of a piece of garbage. I think you're a piece of garbage. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, you could also be sporting from that spear I put in you. Um, but uh, this, I, I appreciate genuine fairy tale, genuine world building, genuine uh, mythic storytelling. 
over whatever yeah. satirical, sardonic, way its head up its own ass kind of story- storytelling that Shrek was doing. It's because you are Shrek. That's it. Uh, no, you're, you're no, the ogre. I don't live in a swamp. <laughs> wow, that got. Why was that Irish? Well, <laughs> you are. Closer than I, I, I was think. Going to try. Peter, you're taking the Shrek comment like way too out of line. And yes, I took it, it, I took it too far. I took it too far. It, it is a satire. And in order to understand it as a satire, you need to see what it's making fun of or being satirical about. Exactly. So here, cue 10 years of watching these like beautiful Walt Disney stories about uh, how you do true mythic storytelling. And um, I think Cinderella is a very foundational part of that. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple. It's too short and also too long. Like hmm. everything that it does that's not about Cinderella, I am I am too bored to watch. Hmm. This could be a 25-minute thing. And I was thinking about the story of Cinderella and sort of the ways that, that Walt Disney did change it um, from maybe some of the, the ways that it's been interpreted before. And what came to mind is actually also from Walt Disney Studios, but previously known on Broadway, uh, Into the Woods. That was uh, written by Stephen Sondheim, uh, the beautiful, beautiful uh, lyricist, playwright, libretto writer, book writer, musician, kind of the everything all around the Broadway guy. And in Into the Woods, Cinderella is a character um, amongst several other denizens of the storytelling land. And she has her little story play out alongside the other ones, trying to figure out where she fits into the happily ever after um, and I think that that kind of deconstruction is a lot more interesting, at least for me. Um, and I think, yeah, it might, might even be more engaging is because it's about the real world sort of consequences of these stories. Because what you might notice when watching Disney films with your kids is that they always end on the happiest note. Yes. Yeah. Usually what happens after happily ever after? Yeah. Which is life, right? I mean, I think probably the best other analogy to this, that's not a fairy tale would be like the before sunrise trilogy. Mm -hmm. Most Disney movies would stop after before sunset, right? Actually, Cinderella is a trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know it is. I, Put Jesse, your garbage you... direct to movie <laughs> Disney sequels okay. back in your pocket. Have you have no. you seen two and three? I have not. I watched the previews. Uh, and I, I'm uh, pretty I, sure Cinderella two was a theater movie. It, it was it was widely released. Cinderella three, which is a plot line about the evil stepmother stealing the fairy godmother's wand, was a direct to DVD video and one I just never want to see. But yes, it, it is a trilogy and they do deal with what happens afterwards, but it's it's garbage. But yeah, anyway, I do get your point, though. 2001. Yeah, uh, I'm not seeing a theatrical release date for this uh, Cinderella 2 video. Colon, dreams come true. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. 2000, 2001, a 5.0 out of 10 on the IMDb. That's this a lot better like- than I expected. Really? Okay, <laughs> this looks like a flaming piece of garbage. <laughs> the magic didn't end at midnight. Is the uh, is the <laughs> oh, that's I so terrible. It. I, I never it. want to watch those movies. All right, no, no, of, this this yeah. this did not come out in theaters, but I I would I would I would almost promise you five million dollar budget. Wow. But anyway, um, anyway, continue. I'm so sorry. our next Speaking trilogy of- is going to be the Cinderella trilogy. Just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of IMDb, um, I, I would, did go on to IMDb, which directed me to Metascore, which is how they score their movies, right? And I was 
reading the old reviews for the 1950 Cinderella, some oh. of which, which are 100, um, according to IMDb, and I clicked on some of them, and they fairly trashed the movie. <laughs> really? Well, it, uh, it, it's not. It's not a very good movie. I, yeah, that's true. It's not. It's so, not and, uh, and, and if I was a forty-five-year-old yeah. film critic that was forced to come and watch this thing, I'd be like, "Yeah, this thing sucks." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But believe it or not, Vito, almost all these reviews, and I haven't read all of them. I read like four, um, but they all basically say the same thing, which is they love the animals. The animals are great. They hate the what people. The hell? So you're just wrong. It no, the wrong. people are the people is the only thing that makes it vaguely interesting. The animals, while kinetically animated, are are, are story trash. <laughs> they they literally hate the animation of the people, and they compare like uh, the New York Times compares the the trio of star performers that might be characters from comic strips. It says, uh, oh, and they call that's the beautiful. Not unfair. And they say the beautiful Cinderella has a voluptuous face and form, not to mention an eager disposition. And then they eager <laughs> disposition. What is that? I what are they no trying to idea. say there? This is this is a bizarrely pervy <laughs> New York Times review. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I think yeah. maybe that she it's really wants time. to get married. I, I don't know. I, what, but, what 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 I, what I do want to say just just real quick is uh uh. Yeah, I don't want to be in the same camp as them. I'm in my own camp. <laughs> I have moved away and made my own camp. Maybe well, very clearly it might because, be because uh, you hate the animals and they all love the animals. They all basically say exactly. the animals and the animation are what make the movie. And then particularly what the New York Times emphasizes is the bubble scene and then the pumpkin transformation as being fantastic. They are. Those are very nice. Those are yeah. very, very well animated, I, incredible I, scenes. I just want to note that Vito is living off by himself in what some might call a swamp, in in his camp. <laughs> Get Much out like of my swamp. A, a certain character who Look, who Vito. I'm an onion. Do way too much. I'm an onion. <laughs> I have layers. All right. Oh man. I grow a little brown hair. Okay. Put me in the sun. Okay. Okay. I want to. I want to move. Um, I, I really like that question, Jesse. And I wonder if we can move sort of with that question to 2015, Cinderella. Oh, please do. Because, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, about 1950. Um, obviously a classic, obviously something that every kid has and will seen forever. Yeah. Um, but uh, 2015, I feel like, is also a classic and every kid should see as well. Absolutely. And I think it's actually a pretty valuable movie in its own right, apart from being a fantastic kids movie. I think it works as a companion piece and I think it stands on yeah. its own. Um, like I was saying, it's, it's much more grounded version. So there is a Gus right in it. There's yeah. a Gus, but they don't talk. They don't do much. They're just mice. It just shows that she's kind. <laughs> yeah. Just really nice. I'm for that. And there's this like hilarious scene where they get turned into the, the horsemen and, mm -hmm. and the lizards get turned into the lizards. I also like that. There's like, there's other things. Yeah. It's not just the mice and the friendly horse and the dog. It's like, there's a lizard. There's a lizard footman, I, I and the love lizard's like line. freaking out when she is not back on time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one of my favorite lines um, from from about the, like from the lizard is uh, like she gets to the palace and she says, "Oh man, I'm I'm not ready. Like I'm not a princess. And, like I'm not ready for this. What what's going on?" And, and he says, "Well, I'm only a lizard, not a footman. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> you know, it's great. It's like yeah, that's a great like yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts, man. That's really cool." 
I, I think that every every performance in this new movie is is sublime. Um, I think that uh, Richard Madden is more charming than I knew that he could be. Sorry, you mean Rob Stark, right? I'm, I'm sorry, Rob Stark playing Richard Madden. Yes, <laughs> playing um, Kit. It, I'm, I'm sorry, it's Rob Stark. The, it's Rob Stark from the North. The the prince. The heir. Prince. The heir the to the house Stark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to say, um, the scene where uh, where they meet and he's hunting the stag, I got like this really weird like what Game of Thrones am I watching right now? Because what we've got is the almost king in the north, yes. sort of king in the north, the air. hunting the stag, which is like the, the, the animal stag. of House Bar- Baratheon. Baratheon. And also uh, Robert Baratheon gets Robert. killed by the the stag or stag. supposedly. <laughs> by the stag. I don't know. I was like all of a sudden very much thrown. Listen, Mike, Mike, this is a kid's movie. You don't got to bring in Rob Stark, all right? But you did, so here we are. No, you, you need to. No, I mean, so, so Rob Will, Stark no, no, came from no, the no, no, Mike, listen after to, dying. Listen to me. Listen to me. Rob Stark. <laughs> right, Rob, Rob Stark. Rob Stark. Okay. No, so uh, anyway, he's more charming than he has any right to be. Yeah. Um, even though he is a, he is a, he's a very interesting, kind of a, a much more mature face. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of wrinkles and crags and a lot of personality mm-hmm. in that face, which is a nice like turn for Prince Charming instead of being like the smooth Ken doll of a man. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Sir Derek Jacobi uh, is obviously hamming it up as the father, but not nearly as much as the cartoon. He he brings a lot of pathos. And then I just want to say Lily James and Kate Blanchett. Oh my gosh! Just kicking ass, dude. Kate Blanchett, whenever she <clears throat> comes on the screen, she's like this jagged rip. Yes. Across like. The filmmaking, uh, the the I mean, Kenneth Branagh's direction is incredible. Yeah. But every time she, her, uh, uh, what do they say? I I love so many lines from this movie. But um, it was uh, she too had known grief, mm-hmm. but she wore it wonderfully well. <laughs> and like she comes in wearing this black and gold dress, like yes. like a tear across the screen. That's just like wow, she is dark and beautiful. As the dawn, even yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah. we're gonna bring Galadriel into it now. You just I, can't I, stay I, away I from these like nerdy ass geek things. I, I can't get away from it. It's just it's, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, she is, dude. She is so evil. Like she's so. Um, I don't know. Like if I think of the 1950s Cinderella, right? The stepmother is so classically a villain, and the stepmother in the 2015, she's. She's not. She's really petty. She's a human being. She's just a human being that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a terrible, terrible person. Not a comic strip villain this time. This time it's just a mom that hates her daughter. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's horrifying just because of that. Like yeah, she's but- treating her her supposed daughter as garbage throughout. And, and it's awful. D- the, 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 the delight too. Yeah. The 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 sinister cackling mustache twirling vamping on the stage that she does as the evil stepmother. Like you can see, I mean, Kate Blanchett is, is just one of the most beautiful actresses to ever grace our screens. Mm-hmm. But there are very few women actresses at all that would love to lean into being that cruel of a mother. And yeah. and she she spares nothing, and she loves it, and it's she amazing. delights in it, and, and and her delighting and her cackling, you can you actually kind of come full circle, and start to kind of like it. 
Yeah. And kind of dig what she's doing. And and you almost are like laughing with her until there's a scene alone with Cinderella where she's like feeling really depressed and sad or she's feeling torn up about this or she doesn't feel like it's fair. And then you go, oh, that was wrong of me for enjoying the fact that she like pushed you in the mud and then spit on you. <laughs> like, uh, Cause I thought and that was really you. fun. <laughs> wow. I didn't enjoy that. Oh, at you all. don't, you don't need to call me stepmother. Madame will do. I love it. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> it's so great. No, yeah. I like every time Kate Blanchett is there tearing up her scenery. Uh, I'm on Kate Blanchett's side. And then when she leaves, I go, Oh yeah, that's right. This movie's called Cinderella. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say I'm on her side at any point, Vito. Yeah, I didn't stay in, in your swamp on that one, but I did enjoy every moment of that. She, of her. she convinces me over to her side when she opens her mouth, the way that she drapes herself across the scene, the way that she shimmies, the way that she walks, everything about her is so magnetic and charismatic. I am down with this character. Um, I love Lily James. She is incredibly charming, so yeah. sincere, um, very earnest. Yes. And and I buy that there's there's an innocence there's a there's a magnetic quality to that as well. But I'm I'm a sucker for a snarling villain. Oh yeah, no I, I love yeah I think <laughs> wow well, you an amazing job. What do you think of that scene? What, what, what do you think, Jesse? <laughs> oh. The shimmy. <laughs> she does it. She does that. She she is especially like when when she goes to see you know she takes her daughter. The, the sort of like rule for the land is that every maiden has to like has to come to the ball right but uh, okay, she's wait. also getting dressed to go are, and she has you, two daughters <laughs> i'm sorry are you one of those people that really loves the grad the gladriel scene where she becomes all evil and dark and weird sick yeah because... totally down yeah. <laughs> all no, right, well, no it's the best huh. <laughs> you guys not like that scene? <laughs> no well we yeah we've talked about our differences about um that movie but Oh, well, look, look, look back uh, just we to reference a previous episode. No. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, that uh, a very young Mike seeing Spider-Man yeah. was was an awakening for you in some ways with Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> and honestly, maybe for me, being oh, like like eight and seeing Fellowship of the Ring, I was like, holy cow, this is the most powerful woman I've ever seen. <laughs> so you're like Gimli, too. So you're Shrek yeah, all right, and Gimli. All right, fine. Make, 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 make me Shrek and so your bullshit. <laughs> Uh, his swamp All in right. a cave right. it's okay, a great wait, wait, place wait. to be <laughs> it's amazing wait okay so so question for you guys um the scene one of one of my my many favorite scenes is the kind of final confrontation between cinderella and her stepmother where where it kind of all comes out and cinderella finally like stands up for herself for the first time against her and says you know what you've treated me badly and and like why? Why are you so cruel? Yeah. And it, you've listened to to Kate Blanchett talk about um the Lady Tremaine talk about mm -hmm. uh please respect. What 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 is it? Um she married once for love and once for money. Yes. And she wants to marry a third time to yeah. win. Yeah. Basically. And then she says, "I'm cruel because you're young." And you're beautiful and you're innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then she goes out and locks the door. I mean, oh my gosh. Lovely. Incredible. Uh, amazing writing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really, really well done. What do you think of that? So do you feel at all for the Lady Tremaine with what she's given as her story? With that, do you... I, I don't feel like feel I like... need to answer this. I think this is mostly a Jesse question. Okay, Jesse. <laughs> Tavito, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Also, I just uh, have to say, like, like incredible dialogue from a man that has written. So Chris Weitz is the is the credited screenwriter. I just want to jump in. His, uh, uh, I don't oh. know, he's got 11 credits as a writer. Including both American Pie and American Pie 2. So as a writer, though, he's, oh, that's he's credited with uh, Rogue One, um, Cinderella, The Golden Compass, About a Boy, and Ants. And Fantasy Island. Don't, and don't Fantasy Island. I'm skipping over the 13 episodes <laughs> of this canceled TV show from 1999, Mike. Um, but he, as a producer, though, he has produced a lot of movies including American Pie, American Pie 2, and American Wedding. So it's really funny that like this Who is he? intensely sincere and earnest kind of writing is coming from someone with a background of like American Pie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it is intensely sincere and stuff, but there's a lot of funny uh quick one-liners and there's definitely, you know, a lot of interplay. You're right. between between You're right. good good points. But anyway, sorry Jesse, yeah. sorry to sorry to jump on that. I just wanted to do it real quick. Uh, okay. I don't remember what the question was. Oh, I am was I asking you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was asking you, um, if you felt any sort of empathy for, uh, the lady Tremaine, um, after we finally get sort of a, a look into her soul um, I mean, and why she's so cruel. If, if I'm being perfectly honest, like a little bit, I don't know. I, I, no, not not much. I yeah. It looks I, like I'm not alone in my swamp no more. <laughs> it's a terrible like, Scottish accent. What am I doing? I don't know what you're doing, man. I have no idea. But it's, it. it's keep doing ter- it though. This is it's great. a terrible mockery of all that is Scottish. It doesn't deserve to exist. All that is Shrek. My uh, my apologies. And, yeah, you are mocking Shrek in the worst way possible. Not even Shrek would mock Shrek that way. Anyway, anyway, I'm not alone in my swamp. I have a donkey. Your donkey. Uh, Mike's a donkey? Mike's no, an your ass. donkey, Jesse. Your donkey. Why in the swamp? Okay, okay. Because so you're we're... agreeing because because you're you're saying that you feel like you you feel for her. You have empathy for her. Yeah, and Mike and Mike doesn't because he's a cold heartless I, bastard. I, no, I was actually saying the opposite. I I said I feel a little like Yeah. This kind of bothered me almost. I, I kind of wished they had fleshed her out a little bit more rather than saying she's just being vindictive because, you know, Cinderella is young and innocent and beautiful. Like, I, I kind of wish there had been a little bit more. I'm not going to I don't want to go much further than that because I don't really want to trash 2015 Cinderella. I think it's a great movie. I don't yeah. think you can trash it. No. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not. I'm not trashing it. What are you? I don't think get back in the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, wow, wow. All right, I feel, I feel. (laughs) No, I I think I I felt the same way as you, Jesse. When she says that stuff at first, I'm like, oh wow, like that's that's really impactful. And then she says it, it, like in a certain way, it's almost like she's manipulated you to, as she does everyone in her life, to kind of get on her side. Um, But then she says, she says reason why she uh she is so cruel to cinderella is that she doesn't really have a reason other than she doesn't like goodness um and then you think about uh, i don't know i thought about her daughters which are so clearly a reflection of her and throughout the movie they do a really great job of seeing that they're taking their cue of how to treat her from their mother who also hates them as well i mean i mean how could she not they suck they 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 really do but like she just wants them to win. She's like driven by like wanting them to 
win, but it's not like get the good thing. It's like just make sure everyone else is below them. Yeah. Um, okay. I I think a that's really- a wow. That's a that's a really good point because like just thinking about it back over that dialogue, like yeah, I. I was really taken in at first, like, oh, now she's finally going to tell us why she is the way she is. And then she just ends up saying, basically, she's evil. There's no reason to feel bad for her. I don't I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it hasn't been it hasn't been an easy go for her. It's pretty clear. I mean, she, she's a she's a climber. Yeah. And maybe she'd do better if she was kind, obviously. And but, had courage. But she's a climber. I mean, yeah. you got, especially back in these days where like, yeah. I assume it's very difficult for women to hold property. I'm not really sure what time this is, but it seems like yeah. it's in ye olden times. Again, I'm in my swamp. I can read the damn wooden sign on the other side that says <laughs> ye olden times when I look for my calendar, <laughs> but it's a long time ago. And so it must be difficult again, mm-hmm. thinking about Jane Austen for women to operate in this sort of society. And so for any chance for her children to be taken care of by nobility or to receive a wealthy endowment or, you know, a wealthy dowry buyout would just be really incredible for them. And so to win would be very odd for a woman in her station. And it's clear that she really wants to be independent and not have to do this again. But if she must, then she must. And then her daughters maybe don't have to do that. But I'm not holding her up as a feminist icon. She's not. But I'm just saying that she really seems like a survivor. Um, She seems more like a rat than a lot of the rats that are running around on screen. Like she will fight and claw her way through any situation and come out on top. Yeah. She'll come out, but it, she comes it, out. Okay. Maybe the one thing that doesn't make sense to me is like, like when Mr. Tremaine dies, right. He's like a well-respected merchant. I can't remember what his exact job title was. He's a merchant. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not talking about Cinderella's dad. I'm talking about her first husband. Oh, like, he was supposedly a well-respected dude, right? So she's... I don't know. Is she loaded with money? I, I would think that she'd be loaded with money due to him passing. I, I kind of I don't think that she is, though, because why would she get married again, then, if she were? Yeah. Yeah. Because you need yeah, the he, service. He was a you... business partner of... Uh, I, I know that um, Mr. Cinderella, whatever uh, his name is. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Um, Ella. <laughs> Please, yes. Uh, he, uh, he, he had business dealings with her husband, um, before he passed mm-hmm. and that's how he got to know her. And you get the sense that she kind of got into his good graces through that. And then, you know, it, her husband died and, and she came over to him. Uh, I mean, as it usually yeah. is. I mean, like I, 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 you just marry your business partner's widow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that might be digging a little bit too far into backstory. I think, it is I, I think we're in, we're in like movie. completely unable to answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. we are, but it it kind of seems like she yeah. still has money, right? Like she has the money to buy those super fancy gowns for the the ball, <laughs> right? They have money to spend. That that's 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 the her her newest husband's ex husband's money. It's yeah, it's the right. money that she's taking out of the estate and running running them into debt. Um, by you know, like they have to fire all the staff because she's running this lavish household that they can't afford. And that's why Cinderella um, turns into Cinderella. Yeah, because, right. because she's you know having courage and be kind, being kind. Yeah. So basically, I think with Lady Tremaine, like I, I didn't really feel for her. I still felt like she was. Yeah, I guess she is a climber or whatever. 
but it seems like somehow she's still having enough money. She's just not financing it well. She's still like a villain and maybe even more than just a, a petty person than we were describing before, but a true villain. And so at the end of the day, I don't really feel for her. I don't really buy it all, but I think that's okay because this is still a fairy tale. So I, I don't really have to. I just need to know she's a bad guy. I think that's a great point. I think that's very true. I'm fair enough. I mean, like it all just comes down to like, yeah, fair enough. It hits you where it hits you, right? I, I happen to love, I happen to love uh, grandstanding female-led villain performances where they're really digging into the material. So I really love this Kate Blanchett performance. I really like this character a lot just because it seems so alive and so so full of like verve and life, yeah, and spark, yeah. Um, and I really think that a lot of times she drags scenes that maybe in the script level, while while still good might've been more pedestrian in someone else's hands. And I think that right. she really yanks it up to a different level and yanks everyone yeah. around her up as well. I, I absolutely agree with that. And so ju- I don't think Jesse and I are, are either of us are saying that we don't like her performance or anything. I don't like know. That. You, sent me, you yes. sent me to a swamp. So <laughs> <laughs> no, we just don't feel like, Oh yeah, go, go lady Tremaine, go, like, lady go Tremaine. and kick Cinderella while she's down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's more like, like, I- like Go, Kate Kate Blanchett! Like, yeah. great job in this role. Like, Good. clearly bringing this movie up to yeah. another level, as you know, a couple of other actors do. Yeah. But, but also, but, but like, what do you guys great think? job being really bad. What do you guys think about like a like or a also, uh, I like, don't know like a like 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 a Tremaine Maleficent twenty twenty ticket? Would you guys vote for that? You know. I don't think so. You, you, you wouldn't vote Tremaine Maleficent twenty twenty. I think that I think I think it'd be amazing. I mean, it depends. I think that I think our, the architecture would get a lot more gothic. Yeah, I think the I servants like would get a lot better trained. That's my thoughts. I think that we'd well, have wait, hold, on, hold on, our servants would be Cinderella. <laughs> exactly, we have a bunch of Cinderellas. What's her stance on health insurance? I think that Tremaine would say that if you are sick, you should probably be put to death. All right, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that that's her thoughts, and I think Maleficent would just like feed you to like a dragon. Of some oh kind. man, I'm so in. So yeah, in. yeah, and you guys all hesitated, not wanting to do this. <laughs> What's going on with you guys? Okay, so we've talked about one like parental figure who's like really, really bad. There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few others in this movie, um, which I think are really powerful. Um, really powerful performances. And, and this movie is kind of very much about those relationships. And she, I, I think that the character of Lady Tremaine is kind of set uh, next to the relationship that um, Cinderella has with her father and her mother and the relationship that Kit, Rob Stark, uh, has with his father, Derek Jackby. <laughs> just, you just keep referring to him as Rob Stark. It's really funny. <laughs> He's Rob Stark. His name was Richard Madden. His name was Richard Madden, <laughs> King of the North. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? What do you What do you think about those relationships? How How did those come off to you? It was It was good. Uh, it was it was way better. <laughs> it was way better than the 1950 where he's having the grandfather. Um, the king is having a bunch of drinks of just like kids literally riding on him and him being so happy about it. It was way more engaging than that. And then, you know, of course, the scene where the prince is curling up on the bed with him as the king is dying, you know, that that struck a chord with me that I think their entire relationship was was moving, but it was a little 
I didn't really get the whole shift where he suddenly says, oh, yeah, now you can now you can marry anybody you want after I already set up a marriage with you with a princess. So there was he did, he, he did not set that up. That was the Grand Duke who mm. who promised the, the prince's hand. The king was pushing the son in the direction of marrying a princess in order to uh, secure the um, the kingdom. And I, I actually found it like that a, a pretty uh, believable, at least in a fairy tale sort of way, in a happy wait, fairy tale wait, Mike, sort of way movement. Mike, but so do, the, do you the, hear the background? Wait, I hear. <laughs> it's coming. So, it's coming. so is the Grand Duke playing a kind of game involving <laughs> chairs? You know, you might say that it is a grand game. A musical uh, chairs. Musical chairs. Yep, that's what it is. Because it, it, it seems like you're really like more than I think anyone that I've ever talked to about this movie. You have <laughs> you have set in your head sort of like the mythology and the political structure <laughs> of this, it this fairyland. It gives it to you. I loved it. I thought it was so okay. much fun. I was like, oh my gosh, there's this movie that's totally made for kids. But in the background of it, here you've got this duke who is like positioning himself for power and and he actually promises the hand of the prince to the princess who comes up to to rob stark and says you know oh i've been very much enjoying your little kingdom this is like a real precursor to the red wedding is what you're talking about. <laughs> pretty much yeah um and rob stark is like oh i hope it's you know big enough for you it's great it's like this great it's it's really funny um believe me it's very funny if you watched the movie, you would have laughed. <laughs> no, but uh, you did watch the movie. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I clearly like this movie the most of all of us. So, so, Mike, if I we ever if movie. we ever to talk about like Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, could you tell us about the Trade Federation and its regulations probably. and how it's been like broken? Because you seem to have could. the background on this very very well. <laughs> I, I like this kind of stuff. This is what I'm into, man. Nice. nice. <laughs> No, but so, okay, so okay. Believer, because, because so, so wait, 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 just really quick. The, the whole point of everything that I said, none of it really matters except for this. <laughs> the king moves to, uh, to saying like, okay, like you can marry this girl who's not going to bring us uh, br- like brigades of men because what, what Rob Stark says. Huge tracks of men. <laughs> Huge tracks of men. Yeah. No, what he says is, uh, what will secure our, we can find security within our own borders from our own people. Um, we have that security in this person. This individual will bring that security because of the person that she is, rather than needing, you know, big the the alliance with some large kingdom who's not going to consider the strength and the majesty of their tiny little kingdom. And like clearly, you know, that's fairy tale land. And we're in fairy tale yeah. land, so I'm yeah, all for right. it, man. It's beautiful. You're right. So it, I, it, I, I thought. So I guess that's all to say. I thought that it made sense, and that that's that's. I mean, I thought it made sense. What I'm I, thought, I thought it made sense when I watched the movie, but I mean, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense. I mean, it it makes sense in the fairy tale way, where if you suspend belief enough. You can say, oh, yeah, I, I, I accept that. And I think this movie does a good enough job of that, of setting up the realm, setting up all the players where you feel enough for them. You've, you feel an, 
sort of enough to understand why they're making the decisions they're making. It's it's not on par with a good drama or anything. So you, which it's unfair to crit- maybe it's unfair to criticize it in this way for me. Then like I shouldn't be criticizing the motivations of characters in in a fairy tale movie essentially. But since it is a live action version of a film, it, it feels like I need to a little bit. But yeah, you're right. It it does make sense. And I think that it, for your original question, talking about the the relationships, I think that these relationships are very well thought out between everyone. Everyone feels real. Everyone feels very lived in. Everyone feels like they are a real person that we are watching, which is very rare for something like this. Very rare yeah. for for a Disney movie, especially. Um, where everyone's point of view seems to be kind of considered and you understand it and the movie moves in that way. And so that relationship between the father and the son, I think is where this new movie does the most work yeah. um, in turning it into a relationship because I don't know, do they share more than maybe five? Do they, how much screen time do they share in the animated movie? Zero. I don't need no scene to share any. It, yeah. That's what I was wondering. I don't think they have any scene. It's just the father and the grand duke. And the Grand Duke and the Sun. Yeah. That's all, right? So I, I, I think that's really interesting that now, like the, for the new movie, there's now, I don't know, like 15 minutes where it's just them and he's even there for his father dying. And that's, that's yeah. really yeah. impactful. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I mean, you see they have a, a, a fellowship, which is, you know, I think it's really cool that they put that on screen because – I feel like most movies that you see, especially ones geared towards children, they don't really look at father-son relationships in a, in this kind of way where there's a, a fellowship, a kindness between them, um, a trust, but also a consideration of duty where they're working together. And when, uh, when Prince Kit talks about himself as an apprentice, you get the sense that he really does think of himself I'm that sorry, way. Mike. <laughs> I'm going to need you to No. <laughs> Mike, it's... A prince, Chris. No, oh, it, you, I, you're I very close. I think you know how to say it. It's an apprentice. Say it. Uh, it it's apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> it's an apprentice. But a thank prince. you. He's an apprentice. <laughs> well, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. That's okay. I've been talking a lot. No, you've been great. Do you, do you have any other questions you want to talk about, though? Or any other relationships you wanted to focus on, more importantly? Well, I mean, I think that the only thing that's that's left is love which is i've always advocated it's all you need why i think it's a dad movie and why i think it's a movie that i'm going to show to my kids past present and future tense there huh? yeah why i have shown it and will continue to show it to them nice because it's portrayal of love i guess i guess what what i might say about love unless jesse do you have something you want to jump in with real quick go for it okay i i really i don't know what it is about the disney 1951 and its version of love there. I don't know if it was the semi sort of like the 1950s sort of standards kind of music that they're using, which is very beautiful and it's very effective. I don't want to insult it. Um, But it's always been how I kind of grew up thinking about how love would be like and how love would feel. And it, it was just kind of different seeing so much more from Cinderella and so much more from the prince too, both equally because in the 1951, there's the whole scene where she the the slippers being tried on. That's just the Grand Duke there, yeah, and his footman, 
And then the sisters and the mother and then Cinderella, the prince is not available for any of that. It's very apart from him. So she has the wonderful romantic scene with him dancing and then it rings midnight and she has to leave. Um, And then there's that weird bit where they send like red and black riders after them with swords to bring her back. And the Grand Duke says she must not escape, which I I thought was a little weird. But then the next time you see them together grandbabies okay i know he does i know i don't want to interfere with the king's plan but i'm just saying it felt really strange and it was a weird thing to say uh especially after because they've known each other since like eight o'clock yeah (laughs) but then the next time you see them is when is the last like moment of the movie when they're walking out and they're getting married and everyone uh, they've gotten married and everyone throws rice on them like there's just that little bit of time where if that had been just a short film it would have been beautiful but since it's a full length it kind of doesn't feel like they have a relationship and this new Cinderella really does work very hard on each of them as characters and then how each of them are together. And I really, really, really liked that. Um, that's probably my most favorite thing about it is that they both feel like people and they both feel like people that like each other very much. Yeah. Um, and when talking about love, I think that's probably the most important ingredient. You need two people that like each other a lot. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. What I like in the 2015 version is it's, I think it's, almost more than just it's more than just liking each other it's like when at the end when uh when she tries on the slipper and she says my name is cinderella which was hugely impactful because her name is not cinderella her name is ella right she was named cinderella as an insult so like what she's saying is like what i am is i'm this dirty maid will you love that and then he basically starts saying, even though he's the king, he's not even a prince at this point. He's the king, right? He starts saying, like, will you well, allow me he's to leave? A, he's, he's different. He's king. kind of an apprentice. He's, he's, he's an apprentice king. He can no, say he's an apprentice king. No. Uh, all right. Wait. Hold on. Mike. <laughs> on a scale from one to ten dads, how good is a friend king? I'd say Don't. about three. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Three. Look, look, Sorry. the eyes have You're it. A apprentice rides again. As the <laughs> highest in a golf score sort of highway. Yeah, yeah. So highest wins. Yeah, I got you. Sure. Yeah. The apprentice wins the dads in terms of apprentice king. Look, I'm, uh, doing, I'm, doing <laughs> finger, I'm doing finger guns at everyone right now. Finger guns. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and just in terms of like identity and no, and it being a love story about loving somebody who they truly are, and I guess I guess that's that's it, right? That is a nine, the 2015 Cinderella. You love yeah. somebody for who they are, and nothing more, nothing less, and you don't care about the rest. Cool. I think that's great, man. I think that's actually really like the the key point of the movie. The, I think it's the stepmother that says when Cinderella is going downstairs um, to finally try on the slipper and the stepmother is defeated. The stepmother says, well, just remember who you are. And after she says that, that's when Rob Stark okay. asks yet again, I think is it, it might be the third time. It might be more than that. He says, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. And she finally says her name and she says, I'm Cinderella. And, and as she's walking down the stairs, the narrator, um, who is Helena Bonacotter, Carter, 
um, is saying the speech where she says something like, showing the person that you really are is the most difficult thing in the world. And it's the, it's the scariest thing that you can do and takes the most courage and also the most kindness to, mm-hmm. to do it and to be able to do it to the, per- for the person that, that deserves it. Right. Yeah. And almost throughout the whole movie, it, you've got Cinderella who's kind of, I think trying to figure out who she is because she she knows that she's a kind and courageous person, but she also knows that she's not being treated right. And she just wants to continue kind of being good to people around her and also to be around people who are good to her. Yeah. Well, I think and, specifically she thinks she's not somebody who's around really trashy people. I think she she kind of deludes herself at one point to actually think she might be around nice people. Yeah. In a certain yeah. way. And then when she's called Cinderella... Uh, and she has to go down. She looks at her like hideous, like reflection, which is super distorted in that weird face that she's looking at or whatever. Then she, she realizes she hates who she is. She's not around good people. She's not sleeping in a good spot. She's literally sleeping by the hearth and getting ashes on her face at night. Her life is awful. Yeah. <laughs> she, that's when she realizes like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Right. Yeah. But when she says to 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 King Kit now, you know, I'm Cinderella, she's it's like she's taken up the she's like, no, I am this person who is good to people and who sacrifices herself for people, but I'm also Ella. I'm this person who sees the world as it might be, um, if things are all good, if if people are are seen at their best and as being able to be at their best. And by bringing them to being their best. And so that scene, I think, I I mean, I think what we've got is that this very clear juxtaposition that Kenneth Brownick is doing in in that scene um, where she's walking down the stairs and she's just, you know, when she goes to finally meet the King um, and she's, you know, she's bedraggled. She's got cinders all over her face. She hasn't been out of her room in God knows how long, but there's a juxtaposition between that scene and the scene where she walks into the ballroom um, and she walks down the stairs and she's late. Yeah. Um, and Rob Stark sees her <laughs> from across the room. Right. And is like, oh my gosh. I actually wrote down, like, while I was watching the movie, um, like, that's actually, like, this is an amazing thing to see because that's how the person that you love should be seen by you whenever you see them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's how we're, we try to to show, I mean, I don't know. This is how I, I try to be for my wife and what I try to show my children in our relationship. And yeah. I had seen it before and I had forgotten the scene of her coming down the stairs. And so Ken very clearly is saying like, look, this is what I'm saying is that he sees her as she truly is and sees her at all times as beautifully as he sees her walking down the stairs in her full um, regalia, you know, right. fully, fully, right. Um, you know, dolled up for the ball. Right. I think, yeah, I think those are some beautiful points about that. And then also to go back to like the Kate Blatchett stuff, like I think, I think that might even draw like why she's the villain of this story because like she's the one who looks at Cinderella, sees what she is, and says, I hate that. I want to destroy it. Yeah. Almost. Oh, maybe, maybe she's trying to kill like, uh, maybe she sees herself in Cinderella a little bit. Um, just spitballing here. Like maybe, 
Um, maybe that's where her viciousness comes from is yeah. in, uh, in trying to attack and kill that innocent, beautiful thing that maybe she used to be. I think, I think that's gotta be it. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we've been going for a while. And so, uh, I'd like to ask our usual now four questions that now we ask. Questions. Number one is Cinderella in 1950 and 2015, a dad movie. Jesse, take it away. So for 1950, it's a very, very qualified dad movie. It's that series of dad movies that I have where I won't really watch that personally with them. I won't ever enjoy it by myself, but I really want my kids to see it because it's an easygoing fairy tale and there are few like it. So, yeah, it's 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 a very weak category. It belongs down its own hall on its own wall that hardly anybody ever visits but if you're dad you go there honestly, um, honestly it might it might honestly sit on the same sort of wall as like snow white and the seven dwarves yeah like not not yeah, really absolutely. something that that any of us are interested in seeing alone but maybe it, i mean it's, it's worthwhile to be seen by kids i don't want to speak for you mike but that that's how i feel about it yeah and i, I and, feel that way i don't to me that makes it not a dad movie because i don't want to sit with my kids and watch it I will, but it's not something that I'm like, I want my kids to see this or I want to sit down and watch it just because I want them to see it. doesn't mean that I think it's a dad movie, I guess. Interesting. Interesting. Counterpoint, Jesse. I mean, the fact that I want my kids to see it makes me a dad. Boom. So it's a dad movie. Boom. I see a, I see a 50 50 <laughs> tie here. <clears throat> and you know what? And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to resolve it at all. I think it's great. Let's keep, <laughs> Love it. Let's Love keep it. it rolling because okay. I want to find another movie that we can add onto this category until it gets like more and more and more. Yeah. But with 2015, 2015 Cinderella. Yeah. It's a dad movie. And I think with the 1950, I, I think you can show that to them when they're like zero years old, but with uh, 2015, I think I might wait till they're like, five or six or whatever. And then I think they would fully get it and understand it, at least my kid's case. And I think they can enjoy it. Like me and my wife enjoyed this movie as a date night movie. Like it, it was enjoyable for me to watch it with them. So yeah, this is a movie I like to sit down and watch with my kids. And so that's why I classify it as a dad movie. Very nice. Very nice, Mike. Absolutely. Dad movie. Um, I've already watched it with my kids. Actually. There you go. I think that, I think it's a beautiful movie. I don't think that they got everything. I clearly, I don't think they, they fully got all of the, um, the political backstory that's going on. Oh, no, no, they didn't. Um, you you weren't there close. to really walk them through it. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm kind of getting them there. Though, I think, you know. I think that when they see your fully realized presentation with your pie charts and your oh, yeah. diagrams, and your, PowerPoint. it'll be, it'll be great. It'll yeah. Be, and we're going to also go into the economics of fairyland. That, um, that's where your Excel skills come in. Oh right? yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But uh, this, this definitely sits high on the, on the shelf of, of a dad movie for me. Yeah. What about you, Vito? Um, I, I also, I have, my daughter's been spoiled this week. We've watched two Cinderella movies this week. <laughs> um, she enjoyed both very much. She uh, was neither, did not like one more than the other at all. She responded to both. She asked questions about both. She seemed to enjoy both. Yeah, it's a dad movie. I, I, I don't think that I would rate it very high in the pantheon, but it's there. It's on the wall. I think it's a firm, solid candidate. 
Okay. And it's weird that it's up there with Spider-Man. <laughs> but there it is. Spider-Man and, and Lion and King. Lion King. Uh, which is it's it sort of it sort of fits in with that one. I, I kind of yeah, like well, that. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna splice some hairs here. Like they are on different walls, but in the same beautiful <laughs> building, in the same okay. beautiful dad building. Not necessarily the same room. Yeah, not the same room at all. Like Spider Man movies are movies I would enjoy personally, just like on my own yeah. or with my kids. There's a lot of different like spots that they fill for me. Whereas Cinderella, it's going to be either with my wife or with my kids, but I'm not sure if I'm ever really going to watch That's true. I, I don't think I will ever watch this 2015 movie alone. Um, yeah. It's not one that I'm going to put on the rewatch. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, unlike, I think, well, Lion King, I'm more likely to watch by myself. Like for nostalgia's sake, almost. For nostalgia's sake, but really not. I, I, if I'm going to watch Lion King by myself, I'm going to fast forward my favorite parts. Yeah. I'm not going to sit and like watch the whole, I'm not going to watch Hakuna Matata again, again, again. 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 <laughs> yeah. I might actually turn this on and watch it by myself. Really? Ooh. I mean, I could, I could see it if like, I just didn't know what to do. And I, that, that really ever happens. If um, that ever were if to that happen, ever, if that ever happened, <laughs> I might actually put it on. I love this movie a lot. Um, wow. I thought it was beautiful. Well, okay. well that's yeah. amazing, Mike. Yeah, that's great. I think I think we can all definitely say it is in some way a dad movie and it belongs sure. on the wall. But it's the 1950 the maybe maybe we can all agree it belongs in the dad closet where if if your kids want to watch a movie you kind of go in there you're like you look around and you're like what is that? Oh yeah, Cinderella. Yeah, sure. You guys can go yes. watch that. Like 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 if there are friends over for dinner and I want to talk yeah. to them, I would be like, "Hey, all the kids in this house, would you go and watch Cinderella in this other room?" And they're like, "Yay!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say, okay, I'd say I watch Cinderella nineteen or turn Cinderella nineteen fifty on on pretty much any given night. Sure. Cinderella twenty fifteen. I'm sitting down with my kids like sure. once every six months to every year to watch it, and they're getting something new out of it every time. That's cool. how I see it. Great answer. And I think, and I think that for the second question, we've already answered when we were going to show this. Um, what, what is, what's our last question? Why? Why, Why would you show it in a couple of sentences? I think we've talked through most of the reasons. Yeah. Um, is there anything? I think a quick summation is yeah. that it, it's just a beautiful story. It's a timeless story. It can lead into a lot of different conversations about destiny, about personal and free will, about um, overcoming uh, difficulties and difficult people in your life. And in the end, it's just a very beautifully well told story that is unlike a lot of other things, even though it shares a lot of similarities to them. Wait, which one are you talking about? Are you talking about 2015? 2015. Okay. 1950 is a beautiful movie. It looks really nice. It's kind of boring for adults and it's really wonderful when you just want some kids to stop bothering you for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I would say 2015, I have it in my dad closet because I want my kids to watch it. I want it as a basis of fairy tales and maybe as movies in general as something. 1950. 1950. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, not to right. stomp. No, no, it's 1915. No, I'm kidding. Right. It's 1915. <laughs> <laughs> and then 2015, yeah, to talk about love and destiny and how to be kind in those sort of circumstances is always worth it. Yeah, I think that, that about sums it up. How about you, Mike? I mean, same thing as you guys. I think it uh, approaches death in a really healthy way. It approaches the relationship between parents and children in a beautiful way. 
and it presents love when when you know it finally comes in a really beautiful way as well and i think it it shows all of the things that i want my children to see um and to kind of shoot for in a really really good way yeah well i i don't think that any of us could add anything more i think that we've had a really good fruitful conversation here I liked this. I liked watching these two things, even if I didn't quite enjoy them as themselves, at least the 1951. I really yeah. enjoyed the 2015 one. And, you know, thank you, Mike, for this being your pick. You know, great thank pick. Thank you guys for talking about it. Love yeah. it. That was a great pick. I was really happy to see that 2015 Cinderella. Never seen it before till Wednesday. And it was fantastic. But And Wednesday was a few days ago? Yeah. Something like that. that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do I have work tomorrow? I guess so. I'm not sure. Um, But anyway, so this is going to conclude our second episode in our first Disney remake trilogy. Um, We're still talking about a third, uh, but stay tuned for it. And uh, signing off, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. And our big dad energy is out. (laughs) Put it away. Put it away. That's enough. That's enough, Jesse. Hey everyone, this is Mike from Not Your Father's Movies. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on tonight's episode, thoughts on movies that should or should not be in the dad canon, and most importantly, things Vito got wrong, we'd literally love to hear from you. Shoot us an email with anything you got at notyourfathersmovies at gmails.com. That's notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. And if that's not enough for you and you want more ways to listen to us, reach us, share us, and support us, Check out our website at nyfm.podbean.com. That's nyfm.podbean.com. Shout out to Max Agros for our sick theme music. Thank you, Max. And thank you all again for listening to us. Have a great night.